Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we're going to drink these beers in earnest. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we are the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading our Patreon-selected book of the month, A Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway. And Nate, starting with beer. So this book is about the First World War, but not the part you've ever heard about. It's about the Italian campaign where the Italians were fighting the Austrians in the Alps. And you know who else was Austrian and lived in the Alps? The Hound of Music <laughs> by Casey Bc. Is this the Von Trapp Grossfasser? <laughs> oh, just wait. Uh, so this is, uh, this is a DDH IPA by Casey Bc, and it is 7.2% alcohol. Yeah, there you go. And it's a nice IPA. Yeah. If you've ever had one, you've had this one, but it's still pretty good. <laughs> so, A Farewell to Arms is uh, one of Ernest Hemingway's early books and often considered one of his best, or his best. And it was published in 1929, and it tells a sort of autobiographical novelization of his time in World War I, where he was an ambulance dri- volunteer ambulance driver for the Italians. I thought he was with the Spanish in real life. That was not the... Spanish, Spanish Civil, War. Civil War. Oh, right, yeah. That's this next time he had a macho hero trip to go on. I mean, what, 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 were, the, what were the ambulances like in 1916? It was a horse. It was just were a they car. Just model, <laughs> they were model just Model T's. T's. That's it. I'd like to think that it said Model T on the, like the grill or something, and they just turned the T into a cross so you knew it was an ambulance. <laughs> uh, you just extend that T a little bit. <laughs> he does go to Switzerland. I bet that's what all the Model T's looked like there. <laughs> So he, wait, did you say which, which war was this? <laughs> the, uh, the Great War, I believe. Oh, okay. That has other names too. Uh, but it was, a, where did the war take place? Like all of the war. Could you say it was worldwide? <laughs> <laughs> it really wasn't, but it was, it was like Europe and a little bit of Africa when Europe got handsy. And Japan <laughs> yeah, did There were some, some battles, naval battles off the coast of South America. That was mostly drug smugglers, Nate. Everyone knows that. that oh, was no, a, really? Oh, it was British versus German warships. Yeah. Those Germans were like, this looks like a good place to settle after the next war. <laughs> Just in case we need it. So this is uh, Dogfish Head Worldwide style, which I've had many times. But I found this in the first. Like, what the fuck am I holding on to this for? It was bottled in 2011. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like... I should have taken a picture of it next to another bottle. There was like, from the neck, like a whole, it was much lower than you would expect it, but clearly beer has evaporated out of this. Oh my God. It's so, like this beer, when it's fresh, has a, a tremendous alcohol burn to it because it's like 16% alcohol. This is like drinking coffee chocolate milk now. Yes. <laughs> Time has been good to this. Now you know you have to age them all 12 years. <laughs> That's, well, like the Catholic Church likes it. That's way too old. Aged 12 years. That's a milf for priests uh <laughs> the dilf it's, it's dilf, a bil- zaddy it's a, it's a bilf the zaddies of the catholic church are 12, 12 year old boys <laughs> with that prepubescent mustache <laughs> so rugged uh yeah so it starts off and his name like you don't i don't i feel like you don't know his name until about a quarter into the book because i was just i was just calling him Ernest. kind of the whole time i mean you get you learn it in like maybe chapter three or four or five or six or seven i don't yeah, know because well, i don't remember when because it's all kind of is, Lieutenant Dan, uh, <laughs> Lieutenant Frederick Henry, uh, John Henry Spro, and he 
he volunteered, right? Like, either, obviously, he was just must be like, that sounds like fun. According to the book, he was an American, and he was just like, I'm just going to volunteer for Italy. Well, if his sense was, I just have a feeling the Italians are going to be bumbling fucking idiots in this war. I should help them. He was right. Like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. They lived up to that, you know, uh, the stereotype of the, of the Italians being buffoons. You know, this is this is the war. I mean, this is the First World War where you had wide-scale uh, submarine use. And the Italian submarines had screen doors. <laughs> so they were... <laughs> Let in the breeze. So, you know, whatever. So um, he's, it starts off, and he's just hanging out, doing anything but fucking war shit. They're just constantly, like, teasing the priest guy and drinking anything, because it's Ernest Hemingway. And, and uh, visiting the brothels. And getting their dick sucked, yeah. This is the Italian army. I like that they have, like... Uh, army sanctioned whorehouses like that's the first thing they're like what about the line of supply for whores <laughs> and then they set that up and then he comes in he's like I'm an American make way uh, and uh, that goes on for a little while until he meets a nice, a nice lady who is a nurse so one of his housemates or bunkmates there he's literally living in a house he's quartered in a house it's like it's like the real world Italy uh, it's just a, a whole bunch of random people put in a room and see what happens. And his uh, friend is like, "Oh, you should meet my. You should meet the English nurse. Oh, so oh, you're American. You should meet this English nurse. She's I love. I'm I love her. She's so beautiful." And Ernest Hemingway slash Frederick is like, "Yeah, okay, sure, fine." Freddie hands. <laughs> yeah. <He's> gonna- <laughs> He's like, and this is like just when he gets, like literally the previous scene is him going to the brothel or like getting back from the brothel. And then suddenly it's like, oh, you should meet my nurse. And I was like, oh, is she is nurse code here? No, I think she was actually a nurse. Uh, and so <laughs> she goes can to heal her, what ails you <laughs> if it's blue uh, balls. Goes to meet her and she's super hot and very British. Her name it's is, the uniform, really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, her name is Catherine Barkley. And she immediately, one of the first things she tells him is that how she was engaged to be married for eight years to a boy she's known from her, like, hometown, but he died. He was, like, just blown to bits on the psalm. Like, she was like, I had this dream he would come in with just, like, a come into, you know, because uh, I'm a nurse, he'd come into my hospital and just have a slash on the leg or... No, he was blown to bits, which happened to a lot of, a lot of guys. With artillery shells being fired by the millions, there would literally be nothing left. Like, where'd that guy go? And like, well, this was just look around you. <laughs> when the war literally became a meat grinder. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, especially, like, wasn't the Somme like one of those like year-long battles? <laughs> like a million people served in that battle. They were just like, rotating every soldier available through that to get nothing. <laughs> In the battle, when you say the battle of the psalm, that's just one day. It lasted like four months. That's just the battle. And it was just like throwing regiments uh, into no man's land. And, you know, tens of thousands would die for like one meter of territory and would immediately get taken back like the next day. So it was uh, quite useless. But that's not what this World War I book is about. No, this is about them hanging out with donkey carts and whores. Much more interesting. <laughs> Almost as much trench foot. <laughs> Not just feet. 
<laughs> so, uh, uh, what's his name? Ernest Hemingway, whatever his name is, uh, takes Catherine out on a date and he tries to kiss her and she, instead of kissing him back, she slaps him in the face because <laughs> I guess that's what women did back then. You scoundrel. You, because she's modest. She's very British. Not for long. Uh, and so... She, she gets over that fast. <laughs> <laughs> He's he has to go out to the front because you know the the because it's about to be spring and spring is when the sort of war happens in the spring and summer and fall because they just don't fight that much in the winter at least at the time and so she gives him a little like trinket thing it's a Saint Anthony medal. And he's like, you're not Catholic, are you? Because gross. And she's like... <laughs> in Italy. Yeah. Like, oh, going to guess. And uh, she's like, oh, God, no. Some some guy I blew gave it to me. <laughs> and it's a St. Anthony medallion which is supposed to protect you. And nowadays, you could see those if you ever see the keychain of some Guido. Uh, he'll have that and like an Italian horn, a uh, bull's horn hanging off there. And I'm like, St. Anthony's going to look out for me. Patron St. of Douchebags. That's an Italian bull's horn. You ever saw that like horn that kind of looks like a chili pepper? Um, I've never seen that, the Italians' keys. Oh, uh, because their hands are moving too fast. <laughs> if you look, it, it looks it's like a red horn. I don't know what the fuck it signifies. Probably masculinity. Probably. But I think it's a it's just a good luck charm thing that Guidos have, hmm. like American Guidos, where they don't know anything besides like how to say mozzarella, how to say <laughs> like food's wrong. The, well, they just say it all Sicilian style. <laughs> Like, what the little men of goth, you know? Like how my grandma said everything. <laughs> <laughs> but not like the Italians in this book who are from somewhere else. Well, I think the, yeah. But also at this point, Italy was like six minutes old. <laughs> and it had already gone through like 19 different failed governments probably. Yeah. Like I feel like Italy has never <laughs> Only had Only two it. or three more. Until <laughs> yeah. they get Mussolini. Until they nail it. <laughs> Primo. So then what happens? I don't fucking remember. So, okay, he's about to go off to the front, and so she gives him a little good luck charm, and then he goes off to the front, and then immediately almost gets blown up by an artillery shell, where the other guy with him does get blown up by the artillery shell. He merely gets shrapnel in the leg and a, like, fractured skull. And it was not during a battle. It was while they were just eating some macaroni and cheese. Out of a helmet, right? (laughs) Though I have to doubt... That since they're in Italy, it's actually macaroni and cheese the way we think about it. No, it was craft. It was wow. They really are slumming it. It was, it was it bright was, orange. <laughs> you, vel, you missed that vel, detail. Velveeta cheese product. They made it in the microwave. <laughs> like oh, it's just like a mama used to microwave. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so far he has done no fighting, no ambulance driving either. And he's already, he's just whoring and then gets blown up. Uh, almost gets a, blown up. That's, it's an Ernest Hemingway book. <laughs> they're having a lot of banquets while they wait for the war to pick up in the new season also. So they're also eating and... and yeah, this is that. the time of year when they just show reruns. <laughs> they're, they're waiting for the, But they're, they're hanging out. At, this is like, there's a battle. They're doing some shelling nearby, but... You know, I got to eat before I go pick up all the dead idiots. Yeah, it's almost like they're at a war where they go home at the end of the day and then come back in the morning. It, it didn't make a lot of sense the way it was. But I guess that's maybe the way it was in some places. That's, maybe that's why Italy got their asses kicked. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, well, uh, it's 5.30. Uh, it's quitting time. I'm not getting paid overtime. So, uh. I mean, maybe it's because they're ambulance drivers, so they don't need to, like, man the front at all times. Yeah, people don't get be... hurt at night. Yeah. <laughs> 
need to be available <laughs> around. So anyway, he instead gets a ride in the ambulance. They like his his one of the other guys that's there that doesn't die. Sort of like we get him a little patched up a little bit. But but it's the the guy who dies has like his legs blown off. He gets Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> but to let us just in case we weren't sure he's Italian, he says about nineteen times, "Mamma mia, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, my legs." <laughs> How will I ever talk about my legs? And like, use your hands, Stromboli. And he's like, oh, yeah, so mamma mia. And then he just dies. <laughs> but they had to put that in there. <laughs> it's like Super Mario talking. <laughs> uh, and so he gets put in ambulance, and, he's, and while he's like lying in the back of the ambulance, because there's, there's multiple levels, he's literally getting bled on. He's like, and he knocks on, you know, he's like, driver. You need to help the other guy. He's dying because he literally, he, he totally just bleeds all, all over the place and dies before they bring him any, ever, anywhere. And so they basically just dump him and put a different injured guy in his place. And then eventually, Frederick gets to the uh, hospital. And at the hospital, they're mostly idiots, but they were like didn't want to take the shrapnel out of his leg. And so Frederick has to literally like bribe the surgeon, like, can't you just do it now? They get us, they get uh, the, the three stooges of surgery, and they're like, oh no, you must have waited at least a six months. They're like, they're like trying to, like, you know, I guess his insurance wasn't covered or something. Get away for the lead <laughs> poison referral. They're like, yeah, you have to wait till like the skin forms like a nice healing scar tissue around each piece we want to remove. They said they wanted all the pieces to like insist or whatever. I insist. And he's, like, he's like, no, I insist. You got to take that shit out. And so they're like, well, how about you ask that other doctor? And he's like, okay. Yeah, please, yeah can you get that other doctor for me? Uh, I'm going to do what doctors say constantly and get a second opinion. And then that guy's like, yeah, I'm going to take it out now. <laughs> I forget. Was he like fishing or something? They're like, that doctor's down by the lake, but he'll be here later. He was making a nice uh, tagliatelle <laughs> to wrap around open wounds because they had bandages. So they used the wide pasta to soak up the blood. Ernest Hemingway did get injured he did get shrapnel in the leg and have to spend months recovering in a hospital well we've also i mean i imagine it took place he did it the way he did it in this book which we you know didn't mention that he spends the entire time in his hospital bed getting shit-faced yeah with like everybody <laughs> he just bribes everybody to bring him bottles of brandy and he just leaves the empty bottles under the dresser so he's at when he first gets to the hospital. He's the only one because the war at the battle, the, the war season hasn't, the war season hasn't started yet. So like no one is injured yet because there haven't been any battles. And so he's like the only one, and there are like a doctor and three nurses, and two of them just keep bringing him bottles of liquor, and they're like, "Yes, this is fine," but luckily for Frederick, Catherine gets transferred to his hospital, his hospital in Milan. And then he spends more time drinking in bed, and they fix his leg, and he's like, well, time to get back to the war. But first, he knocks her up, right? She starts, so first he has to convince the other uh, doctor or whatever. It's like, can't you put her on the day shift so she's free in the night shift? <laughs> and and. <laughs> So she does, and then she stays with him every night, and then you find out a couple chapters later, oh, wait, she's three months pregnant. Like, hmm, I wonder how that happened. It's osmosis. They're not married yet, so they can't bang, because this is 1911 or whatever the fuck, I don't know. 
him. He's been nothing in that raw, but he, she's he's like, let's get married, you know, let's uh, make an honest woman out of you. And then she's like, no, we're just as married as you want to be. He's like, no, I'm pretty sure you need paperwork. She's like, no, it's a state of mind. He's like, wow, this, you are very progressive. Usually it's men that think that. <laughs> um, good for you, bitch. So you're not going to mind if I forget we're married sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and that goes on for, and like, this is all that's happening, like pages and pages. I mean, nothing really exciting happening. Just, and then I saw this guy, and then we. Um, then I drank a know, bottle of brandy. I drank a, he bought just vermouth. Yeah, he drinks a lot drank, of just straight vermouth. Straight vermouth. I mean, I guess you drink whatever you can get. But then half the time people are like, what are you drinking? And he's like, I got this, you know, under the bed vermouth. And they're like, I got something better. And then they just, they're like all bootleggers apparently. They just have like booze in their pockets. But, you know, this is the war and they're convalescing, hanging out. And it's like they are dead men on holiday. <laughs> He says, Dead Men on Holiday from Root and Branch, a double IPA. That uh, There's a whole story here, but it probably is just like a multi-wheat, a multi-oat wheat double IPA with citrus Simcoe and Comet Hops. Oh, that's, that's really good. I should have bought so much more of this because it's so far away to drive there. <laughs> I, told, I think I told you that, uh, well, Root and Branch is the name of like a communist newsletter from the 60s or 70s. That's where their name comes from. And it was at the bar, and uh, they had it was framed cop anarchist What's paper, that? wasn't it? It was a zine. Some, it's something. It's something like super. It's a. I think it's a like anarcho communist. So like it's not like the the Mises Institute anarchists <laughs> who are like fuck taxes. Uh, so they have all these zines framed behind the bar, and I took a picture. Like, what are these? I feel like I should know what some of these are. And I was looking them up, and it's like. Chainsaw was a newsletter that published eight issues. Like, oh, okay, who the fuck? Okay, <laughs> uh, okay I guess I'm not supposed to know this shit. But it's for a hot second, it's like, this is like the kind of thing, like, the, the culture, you know, the culture critics are aware of. Like, well, as if you had read, you know, Teenage Depression, the newsletter uh, that was published from 1978 to 1978, <laughs> you'd know whatever. It's probably a lot of people who are really into, like, the beat generation, too. Well, it was all, like, most of the other stuff was like seventies, late seventies and eighties, a lot of punk stuff. Mm. So then it was you know interviews with random bands. I, I read an issue of Chainsaw actually online. <laughs> it was a, um, an interview with a band who their biggest song was called Shark Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Shark, or it might have been plural. It might be Shark Fucks, called the Tronics. <laughs> and okay. then I listened to like this is fucking garbage, but I could hear how this might have seemed edgy and cool in nineteen eighty one. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that was their thing. But uh, somebody must either collect them or they must be scouring eBay anytime some uh, old, you know, hoarder dies. <laughs> a bunch of these go up for sale. They had a ton of them. But you know what we also have a ton of, but not enough? Patrons. Patrons. And if I'm going to thank these patrons, first I'm going to yeah. drink this beer. Oh, shit, yeah. Because it's been long enough to read this fucking Hemingway book. Uh, this is from a new brewery. He certainly drank enough. <laughs> this is from Froth Brewing. And the title doesn't really work, but it's an Italian-style Pilsner, and he's in Italy. And this is called Rari, like Ferrari. Also, he's a driver, so I'll take that. I'll allow it. Put it in a cup, because it's Italian. It'll pass this time. No, it's Italian. You drink it with your hands, Jimmy. Oh, no! Mamma mia! (laughs) Mamma mia! It's way too much fun. I poured far too aggressively. It's been too long since I actually had to pour it into a cup. 
like a civilized person, not like an Italian. <laughs> now you just drink this out of a wine skin. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, there was no, there was or zero wine canteen. skins. They kept saying this wine tastes like metal because <laughs> they were literally they were filling their canteens with wine <laughs> instead, instead of water. You're gonna waste it on water. What is wine but water that tastes gooder? It's wine that the Lord got his hands on. It is uh, a beer flavored beer. I'll give him that. I haven't had a Peroni in I don't know how many years, but <laughs> it's probably similar to that. Um, it's surprisingly bitter, actually. But uh, yeah, yeah. Froth brewing. There's a lot of froth here, certainly. Well, that's from you. That's poured from it. me. Yeah, I did that entirely. But, I haven't uh, had a Peroni since the last time I went to somebody's house who doesn't drink beer, and they're like, "What do we have? Oh yeah, I have this leftover from when someone came here." I was like, "I guess I'm drinking that shelf turd." This three-year-old Peroni, aged, <laughs> aged just section. To, yeah, like a like a fine wine in a metal canteen. <laughs> so, if you want to support the podcast, you get over to Patreon.com, and you get to do cool things like vote in the book poll that picked this. And I think it was was it was it Hemingway books? What this was, was second place winners. Oh, all right. Yeah. This was the second place winner of the time we did all Hemingway books. We picked three. This one was second. It was uh, Hemingway or the Highway should have been the name of that post, but it might have been. They picked this. They also get to do all sorts of other cool stuff that you can check out there. But most importantly, they get thanked on the poll episode, and Jimmy's going to thank the fine people. So we have so many to thank today. We have. Um, I saw one person just just stopped being a patron today. Well, fuck that guy. They're not getting <laughs> said because they're not on the list of active people. Um. All right, so it's like I just lost my job and my house has a lien on it. Like I don't care, fucking. <laughs> you get nothing. You find your three bucks, you son of a bitch. This is America. <laughs> uh, all right, thank you to Yana, Andy, Alex, Ramy, Avery, Humid Oyster, JC Do Good Letters, Linda, DK Law, Nathaniel, Thick Richard the Third, Frederick, Sean, Nora, Beat Rice. Maurice, Nin, Courtney, William, Sophia, Derek, Carol, Sarah Jane, Joseph, Jeff, Yolanda, Jennifer. Ooh, okay. Um, <laughs> thanks to Nate, all doghouses within a mile of here are required to have panic rooms. <laughs> panic doghouse. <laughs> Nate dislikes Twilight because he hates vampire lore. He can't grasp the idea of waiting for permission to enter. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. It's uh, not even about dogs. It's just... <laughs> it's just... You've, I, guess you've, I guess it's an improvement. I guess... Um, I, I think the dog part is implied at this point, maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Anita Tolick. Nate fucks shepherds. <laughs> uh, here we go. <laughs> I, Subtle. Jimmy, now identify as the man, the myth, Fig Newton. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I think that's... <laughs> I, I was trying to think about that one, but I'm like... You, you are the one who has to explain it, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Entity. That's my You're right. the one who identifies as a Fig Newton. No, no. <laughs> so. Not as a Fig Newton, as the man, Fig Newton. Well, brother Isaac of Isaac Newton. Fruity brother. <laughs> <laughs> Grace, Catherine, Colton, 
Oh, got to click on this one to see the whole thing. Okay, let's see. <laughs> oh, goodness. Jesus, how do I... Isn't this the same as before? Is this the... Did we read the the one about Guam? Yes. It? Yeah, we did. Okay, I so warned the, him. the limerick about him Guam again. Also, I can't see the whole thing, but the email address is Ben Nates Malava. <laughs> um, that was the original fake name one. Yeah. <laughs> um, bass players honestly suck I mean who even knows anything is bass players guitar players are the real musicians well it's just a long guitar let's be honest Zaphod <laughs> Beeblebrox okay and uh, we ooh, we got a long one here um, I don't know if this was meant to be directed at me uh, if so bravo uh, I'd like to thank dad 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 look dad Look at me. Watch. Dad, look what I can do. Dad. Daddy, daddy, daddy. Dad, watch. That's ironically exactly what I said at his funeral. Ooh. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> we have the best patrons. Yes. It's the, it's the, it's the uh, attention to detail that matters the most. Mm-hmm. Joe P. Crab. Daniel, Hayden, Emotional Support Burrito, and CL. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, most of you. (laughs) (laughs) Most of you are cool people. So eventually, Frederick is, he has jaundice, and he's about to, so he's about to get a... He drinks himself to jaundice. (laughs) Which, can you, is that a thing? Can you You drink yourself to liver failure? Absolutely. Oh, well, yeah, okay. (laughs) And Uh, he's drinking... A bottle of brandy while sitting in the hospital every day. So, uh, he has been taking sun cure. <laughs> that was one of them. Like, oh, you got to do a sun cure. Like, what the fuck is that? Like when you tan your asshole? Like fucking. Uh, <laughs> that's that that's the uh, the equivalent of the old thing. Like where it's like you need to breathe the air by the sea. <laughs> yeah, just I mean, there's probably something to it. Like going outside and for a walk is good for you and getting away from people who have tuberculosis next to you but to call that a cure is a bit of a stretch what do i know (laughs) (laughs) so anyway he was about to get so he's about to get his like medical leave extended but then the nurse finds his collection of empty bottles (laughs) under his bed and is like you did this on purpose and he's like, no. She's like, yes, you did. And then, and then, order orders him. You know, changes his like medical status to be like, he's fine. He just needs to stop drinking. And then he ends up having to go back to the front. Though I have to ask, what kind of hospital is this that he was allowed to accumulate that volume of liquor bottles under a bed? And he's still like the only patient. <laughs> like, how did they not know? Like, the, you could hear the bed jingle when you move. I'm holding them for a friend. <laughs> they're all full of piss. They were. You get a nickel on each one of those. <laughs> oh, God. <they're> all... <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> That's how she found it. Didn't... The sensors, it was a different time. She knocked over, and it was like bowling, and she just knocked over a dozen bottles filled with piss. I don't like the bedpan shape. It splashes back. <laughs> I like to work on my aim. <laughs> I'm very bored in here. <laughs> He does say, he's like, I'm fucking bored. Can, can anything happen? There's only so many times I could bang that nurse. Especially when I've got, I have to imagine, chronic brandy dick. <laughs> brandy dick? Is that the, that's the thinking man's whiskey dick? Yeah. <laughs> it's upper class. For the cultured man who can't come. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, he clearly didn't have a problem with that because Catherine is pregnant. And so this is when she's three months, pre- he has to go, it's October, he has to go back to the front, but she's three months pregnant. And that's when she tells him. And she says, oh, no, it's fine. I'm not worried. Definitely not worried. But he has to go back to the front anyway. But they have to rent a hotel to say goodbye. Well, clearly. <laughs> but then they don't to fuck. Ass. They can have privacy one time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so he goes back to the front. And he has to go back to the where the Italians are fighting the Austrians in the Alps. And the Austrians are winning for like the only time. And you know who else was an Austrian? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the Von Trapps. Uh, and also, uh, uh, so this second beer is called Whiskers on Kittens, which is a line from The Sound of Music uh, from my, the song My Favorite Things. And this is made in collaboration with the Von Trapp Brewery. Oh. Fat Orange Cat in the Von Trapp Brewery. This is a Goza-style ale with Wachau apricot and Austrian salt. Austrian salt sounds like a street drug. <laughs> like, we got to get this Austrian salt off the streets. It's like a type of meth or something. Actually, no, I think I had this beer Heisenberg, this... yeah. I think I had this beer this weekend. Really? I had something... Uh, I had was, a, that I, your, was that your monthly Sound of Music-themed party that you always have? Oh, I mean, yes, of course. No, a different day. But yes, that was this weekend also. Um, we say so long, farewell, Avidusen, to straight men, and you just <laughs> hang out. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Nazi party. Um, oh, oh, God. But it was a fat orange cat. <laughs> you root for them <laughs> every time they, is a disappointment. They, they win every time. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fat orange cat. It had kittens in the title, but I don't remember. I mean, I guess they got maybe more than one with kitten in the title. Was it Whiskers on Kittens? It is. So the, the picture on the front is clearly Julie Andrews. It was on draft. But it's a cat. So I don't know. But it's a cat. Oh, and I forgot to even describe that the other beer that called the Hound of Music is literally the same image, you know, based on the same image of the Sound of Music, you know, Julie Andrews. But it's literally a, a dog in a dress just <laughs> twirling around in the hills. Whereas this one is a cat. Uh, anyway, so this is... Kind of sour. I mean, it is a, and it is a little bit apricot. And it's also a little bit salty, though. If you think about it, what's Austrian salt? Salt is salt. It's pretty simple. It's from the Alps. What other trace minerals are in there? Like you know, it's like the Himalayan pink salt or whatever. And does that actually taste different? Uh, I don't know. You know, I've had, I, I have been to like a restaurant where you get like a steakhouse, and they give you a bunch of different artisanal salts. And they had different flavors, but because they had like wildly different salts, like one was smoked and one was the pink salt, and one I can't was remember bath. the third one now. Bath salts. That's why I don't remember anything after that. Yeah, I just actually I, it, there was no steak. I was eating a man's face. Was, <laughs> this is a little rare for me. <laughs> why are there eyeballs in my steak? <laughs> They're so crunchy. They pop like grapes. <laughs> anyway, the beer's is this good. eye round? <laughs> <laughs> no rib eye. Oh yes. Oh damn. Steak steak puns. That's where we get Nate. That's where he's like, all right, I'm in. I've now been I'm waiting in. six or seven years for this. Now you guys have made the greatest mistake of all. He's getting the hanger. This. Oh god. <laughs> We didn't see. We were, he came in from the side. He flanked us. <laughs> I can no longer skirt the issue. Oh, there you go. 
Uh, I'm going to keep thinking about steak puns and interrupt you later, Nate, but uh, you were going to say something. Anyway, the beer is pretty good. Yeah. It is uh, a very. It is on the tart side, for sure. It tastes Do you a taste like apricot, the Austrian, Austrian salt? <laughs> it tastes like it's thinking of becoming a Nazi. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not sure. It's like I, just, I, I just need more land. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes, tastes a little bit like Anschluss. <laughs> oh, boy. Terrible. Anyway, so he, he's back at the front, and before he can even get in a battle, he's like, the Italians are in full retreat. We need to get the fuck out of here. And so they decide to, like... But the thing is, because they're trying to retreat through the mountains, through these, like, tiny roads, you know, between mountains, of course, there's going to be a giant traffic jam. So he's like, okay, guys, and the guys are the other um, uh, ambulance drivers, and they're Model T's. They're like, you know what? Let's take let's take the scenic route and let's go a back way and not just get, you know, stuck on the road. And they're kind of like t- driving on and off all night. There's still a ton of traffic. And because uh, the whole Italian army is trying to, and everybody who lives there is trying to get away before the Austrians can get in because this is probably the only battle the Austrians are going to win in the entire war. They don't know that yet, though. No. <laughs> this could be the start of a new trend. They, uh kind of waiting in the middle of the night the car gets stuck and there are these two sergeants that that are that they also are driving in their car with them and the sergeants are like we're not gonna they want to just keep walking and just you know they just ditch the ride keep walking and not help the car get unstuck so frederick takes out his gun and shoots them and these are other italian soldiers at first i was like Wait, are those Austrians? Uh, no, no, I guess not. They're or, just they other disobeying a direct order, and they were deserting. Well, they were no, they were not helping the other guys desert fast enough. <laughs> That's what they were doing. So they one escapes, the other like is shot in the head. Though Frederick is a terrible shot, so he gives the gun to the other guy, and the other guy finishes him off. Well, it turns out bullets are an offer they couldn't refuse because they're Italians. It's the Godfather. <laughs> Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guidos. <laughs> so uh, uh, anyway, so they, they try to escape. They've managed to like get a bit away, but they, they, then they get arrested by the Italian police. And because the Italian police are literally arresting everyone. Can I, can I just say in the Italian police, Italian sting is the worst. He's just so obnoxious. <laughs> Italian sting. He's just talking about tantric sex with his hands. He eats for like pasta for minutes. days. <laughs> it just never <laughs> stops. He's just always carbo-loading for the tantric sex. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, a bibbity bobbity put on the red light. And he's just like... <laughs> but actually, I think Sting was... Do-do-do-do, da-da-da-da is basically him trying to speak Italian. Do-do-do-do, da-da-ba-da. And they're like, yes, that is, that's the national anthem of our people. No? No Italian sting? Uh, and so the police, they're like literally they arresting can't not all. think of the police <laughs> now. The Carabinieri, fine. How about that? Which is Pasta Carabinieri. For... <laughs> Aren't Carabinieri's those like clips you use when you're climbing? <laughs> okay. All right. I'll be good. <laughs> so uh, I don't believe you. Uh, so... <laughs> So they're I'm getting you with so a steak pun soon because <laughs> there are like hundreds of people, th- hundreds of soldiers, thousands of soldiers who are just like 
I thought we were retreating. I thought we were told to retreat. So here I am retreating. And the police are like, fuck you. You're bringing shame to our country that's only seven days old. And then they're <laughs> shooting them. It's the, they're, well, they're like judge, jury, they're executioner. Ex- they're executing all of the officers. Oh, yeah. They're arresting the regular soldiers. Now, I wasn't really sure if it was like just the cops or was like the other soldiers also in on it. Like They're just rising up and uh, killing all the officers for the botched war effort at this point. And, and when this... And him, we had to eat a spaghetti only lukewarm. <laughs> he must go. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, they, they do accept the I was just following orders from the troops. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it checks out. So the, a different Italian officer gets they're like the or gets shot, and a couple of other Italian officers are getting just executed. And like, and he was like, "Yes, everyone they talk to, then gets shot." So I was like, oh, "I didn't think this was going to work out very well." So he jumps in the river. And by the way, he because he has he got um, when he got injured, he was nom- he not was nominated for some sort of award or some bullshit, a medal. And he he's a lieutenant, so isn't that kind of an officer? Yeah, because yeah, they, they're going to kill him. Yeah, <laughs> and he but he's like an he's an officer of the ambulance drivers. Like doesn't matter. Like, does that even fucking count? They're they're not really being a hundred percent rational when they're executing the entire officer cadre corps. Officer, yeah, I don't know. They're killing everybody. They're not going to take the time to like think out like, well, you well, know, they're it's Italian. A they're different. whacking them, Jimmy. They were whacking, yeah. They've, the whole Italian nation has gone to the mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going to need to take care of these officers. With the cannolis. I got it. So yes, he jumps in a river because famously Italians cannot swim. He's like, hey, he's, ju- he's jumped in the pasta water juice. <laughs> Wait, pasta? <laughs> the cold pasta water. <laughs> also known as water. Uh, so he jumps <laughs> in the river. The, the Mediterranean is just... The giant basin for, for spaghetti that we're strigonona cooks. <laughs> so he uh, jumps in the jumps in the river and like swims away, floats away, because I don't know, and it works. And he managed to like escape and he like gets downstream and he manages to like then walk to a different town where the where the like where he immediately goes to a bar. First place he goes, he goes <laughs> yeah. to her a bar. Well, it goes to a hotel, and then because he just has some money on him, and the bartender is like, you know, you really should get rid of that coat. Everyone can see where you ripped off your, you know, your pips, your like your officer insignia. He's like, oh yeah, I should do I, that. I, I don't think they were pips. I believe they were vandellas, or they might have been uh, <laughs> <laughs> other kinds of supremes. Other supremes. Yeah, these are Motown jokes. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I got away. I'm, you know, glad it's night. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God I dove into that cold water. I was feeling a heat wave coming on. (laughs) Can I get a midnight train to Georgia from here? Or is it just... (laughs) I'll just just have a drink. Never mind. And then he proceeds to drink a bunch. It's like, no, I, it's just, I just jumped song. out of a river. Give me a, give me a bunch of driver mooth so I can be dry. <laughs> <laughs> That's Hemingway logic. It, it is. And it, it works out every time. So he manages to 
basically find out where Catherine is, where where she's stationed is her nurse uh, nursing duties, where where she is. And so he goes there and he manages to like, and they're like, they then they escape to Switzerland by rowing across the lake in the middle of the night. And when they get there, the Swiss police are like, what the fuck are you doing here? Oh, we just have some Jew gold to hide. And they're like, <laughs> oh, please. Yes, that's this right this way. You have come to the that's, right place. That, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's our number one thing to do. <laughs> How do we pay for all the watches? <laughs> That's right. You can set your watch to it if there's. <laughs> I'll tell you, the storing of illicit Jew gold is almost as sweet as the fine chocolate <laughs> lights we make here. It was a short-lived tourist slogan from uh, 1954 to 1957. Uh, when you think plunder Jew gold, think Switzerland. But it really never <laughs> caught on, so they they, they moved on from that. <laughs> Feel the burn, and they're like, "Oh, that's a little too soon." To other, I know it's spelt differently. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> right? Isn't there burn Switzerland? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> then they're like, "Burn, baby, burn!" Like, nope, not that hurt. <laughs> nope. Mm-mm. That was the slogan. If it wasn't slogan during disco, someone should be killed. Uh, I mean, if it was or wasn't, if it was, <laughs> not. Thinking, there's no winning. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, the Italian, I mean, not Italian, the uh, Swiss police, <laughs> which just sounds like cheese police, if, you're being, if I'm being honest. <laughs> the Swiss police, well, the security is full of holes because they're like, oh, why did you just row across the lake in the middle of the night entering our country illegally? And they're like, oh, we're tourists. We're looking for winter sports. They're like, oh, that's fine. Do you have your passports? Oh, that's fine. It does help that they are American and British and not Italian. Because then they'd be like, oh, you're just, clearly you're just tourists here for the winter sport, which is, I don't know, fucking walking across a flat place on skis, I think. I think it's just guessing which safe has the most Jew gold. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's, it's like the Monty Hall problem. <laughs> but it's, One it's of them just has a goat. Jewish art. <laughs> <laughs> One of them just has a goat. <laughs> But do oh, you want sorry. to change your pick? <laughs> the Monty Hall problem, that is a very, very topical reference to a Throwback. problem that was it was already... When that like question was asked, Monty Hall was an old show. <laughs> yeah. Like a ridiculous line of references there. I was thinking of Geraldo Rivera opening the vault. Oh, of, uh, of um, Al Capone. Of Al Capone's, Al Capone's vault. vault. What's in it? Not a, nothing. There's nothing in here. Zilch, or is it pronounced in Switzerland, Zurich? Uh. <laughs> uh, and so they're there in Switzerland. This nine-month pregnant woman here for the winter sports. They, they hang out for the last <laughs> month or so of Catherine's pregnancy. And then... She just loves curling. It's just, it's just, it's good for the, it's good for the placenta to develop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're there at Montreux. For the jazz Seeing festival. the smoke on the water. <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly it's, her, you know, now she's nine months pregnant and she's giving birth. It's, she's about to, she's going to have the baby. So they're like, oh, what? Let's take you to the hospital. So they go to the hospital in the middle of the night. Says, it's kind of been my job the whole war to do that, to take people to a hospital. <laughs> in the one time <laughs> he actually does it. <laughs> He, uh, Whoops! <laughs> yeah. 
missed it by that much. <laughs> so anyway, so he takes Catherine to the hospital, and at first she's like, "Yep, nope, she's having having contractions. Everything's gonna be fine. We're gonna forget the doctor. Everything's gonna be cool." But then she gets worse, and they bring in us a, a cylinder of gas. I'm not exactly Mustard. sure. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's what it was. Uh, it's, uh, some sort of <laughs> same effect. Painkiller. It, it. it was. It was nitrous. Nox. So it was. Uh, and they, is this Fast and Furious? <laughs> she, wants the, she wants that baby to go real fast. <laughs> so they bring in the, the 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 gas, so she gets some pain relief, and she kind of gets worse and worse. And meanwhile. He goes to the, and the doctor's like, it's going to be a while. You should go get some food. So he walks down to the pub, has some beer, has some sauerkraut, and then he comes back and is like, then she's worse. He eats a lot of eggs. Yeah, he also eats a lot of eggs. Uh, and he comes back, and then she's worse and worse. I got some gas for you, baby. <laughs> Sauerkraut and eggs. <laughs> and he's been drinking heavily. I'm Ooh, in just as much pain as you. <laughs> if this doesn't get that baby out, nothing will. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to need some of that myself. I've got to give birth right now. <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> one of them is stench warfare. It's about to happen. So she gets worse and worse, and then suddenly, you know, the baby is just not being born. And the doctor says, "I think we should do a C-section." And they still they can't even ask Catherine. They have to ask him, even though they're not married. Anyway, they ask the man anyway, and he's like, "Yes, is okay." But the C-section doesn't work. The baby is born, is is still born. The baby is dead. And then Catherine uh, just has a hemorrhage, and then she dies. And uh, she says something like, I don't mind. No, what was it? I don't mind. I'm just mad. <laughs> no. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Your parents are mad at you. What a British! I mean, and then he's a, the bitch is dead. Oh, that's a different British book. But then, that's a that's a very British way to, to respond. Like, oh, bother. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And then she also dies. And then the last line of the book is something like, "And then I put on my hat and coat and walked out into the rain, a free man, <laughs> 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 and I went right to the whorehouse." <laughs> <laughs> and had a bottle of vermouth. I said a farewell to that problem. <laughs> like, oh, what a gentleman. So this is considered one of the greatest World War I books ever written. You know what? The plot is dumb, uh, but there are a few really good passages about World War I, about troops moving or like about the retreat. Like there was some, there was like, like a really good passage in there that I didn't fucking highlight because I, was, I didn't care that much. But but describing the troops and also in the beginning talking about like the huge just armies moving and like the dust that they raised up covering everything to kind of give you some sense of the scale of World War One, which was just ridiculous by any other any other metric, you know. Like at the start of World War One, when everyone's like, "Oh, Phil, we'll see you in six weeks when you go destroy that other team," because it was like a sport to the people of Europe. We'll be home by Christmas. Yeah, that'll be before the leaves turn. Right? That was like the attitude that people would be lining up in their random, you know, little villages. An army was going to march through, 
and it would take hours. And this wasn't like the you know Macy's Day uh, Thanksgiving parade, Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade, where they, you know, the float with Chicago stops to perform a lame fucking song that they lip sync. They're just marching, and it would be hundreds of thousands of troops moving, hundreds of thousands of young men, who within a few weeks would be fucking dead. <laughs> they would all be dead. And there were some passages in here that kind of did a good job of, of giving you like a sense of the scale of the war, of the scale of, of, of the, the, the craziness of the retreats, of just this inanity, like the, 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 the size of it. That was, to a person reading this in 1929, like, holy shit, I can't believe that just happened. Because it was the, up until that point, they didn't know there was a sequel coming, you know? Mm. They were still in rewrites. And it was the most absurd, fucking stupid human thing ever, for and for no real, no real good reason. So I think that that those parts of the book are really good. Anything where he's talking about drinking vermouth and fucking nurses, I could I that's could do like that, sixty, seventy percent of the book. Yeah, I think the book could have been a postcard. I think <laughs> it could have been like here are a few evocative images, and you're like, wow, that's really well, that's really interesting. Everything else, no thanks. That's my help. That's what I think. What do you guys think? I think because it came out in 1929, it didn't come out. It wasn't written during the war. It wasn't written like it, the year after the war. It was a full ten years later, and this is when I mean, both not there's not nostalgia for the war, but there's a little bit more like you know interest, I guess. But but also like during World War One is when the world, or at least Europe changed their idea about war from war is glorious and makes boys into men and instead like no war is horrifying and terrible and this the way the war is is depicted is like it was just stupid and pointless he did no fighting he nor did he save anybody in his job as an ambulance driver very good point he drank fucked whores and a nurse got wounded eating macaroni and cheese and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then when he was actually had to go to the front and then retreat because the army was retreating the police were just shooting people because like fuck you for losing this fucking war as if it's their fault so anyway it depicts the war as being stupid and pointless and like not about war at all and, it, and that's accurate but it was still boring though it's still it's like the number of times he just had a beer and ate a sandwich that the number, <laughs> that's like what the book is about if you know it's dude, like, uh, dude i'm already living that i don't need to read it <laughs> it's, it's like reading like, my journal <laughs> it's like this this is the great american novel like eating a sandwich like i mean that on, is very me. american yes but it's not conflict. <laughs> He's not having conflict with the sandwich. What kind of sandwich should I have? I know we mentioned the the sauerkraut farts. That was a conflict, but he, it was an um, internal conflict. <laughs> man, man versus, versus man. Man versus nature. <laughs> man versus it's those, self. It's those microbes. <laughs> <laughs> but the. Um, the the descriptions of like you know of of him eating the sandwich aren't even very entertaining because it's Hemingway writing it. It's like I bit into the bread. Period. Or he bit into the bread. Period. The bread was crunchy. Period. Crumbs got all over the fucking place. Period. He washed it down with two and a half bottles of vermouth because it was only noon. <laughs> and then you're like, all right, cool. End of chapter. Like it just a priest came by 
He said a joke, but it didn't translate well. <laughs> that happens a bunch of times in the book where people are speaking Italian or Spanish or whatever the fuck it is in different scenes. And then he's like, yeah, I made a joke. Ah, sorry, I fucked that up. But no one knows what the fuck I'm talking about now. It makes no sense. Whatever. We're moving on. We're all going to die tomorrow. I'm sure that there and is... This is one of probably things. the point. Yeah, this one is one of those books that's like rife with metaphors and symbolism that I just didn't care enough about to get into. Like, there's the, the... I'm sure all the talks with the priest and the soldiers are there. Or when he meets that old guy in the hotel and the guy's like, I am very old and I'm going to die soon. But I'm going to beat the shit of beat the shit out of you in billiards first. Yes. For and what they, reason? Who knows? Yeah, and they're like they talk for a while about like I don't know death. Well, anything but the war. Yeah. He's like, tell me about the war. He's like, no, I don't really. Uh, I'll talk to you about anything. He's like, just how about uh, the war? And he's like, mm, uh, about septic tanks, like any, <laughs> any other topic. <laughs> and then that old man fucking fleeces him in in pool. Like, did that mean anything? Nope. Just happened. Well, they they so, talk about death and shit, and I don't remember any of it, but I'm sure at the time it was important. But it's not because it's it's fucking Hemingway again. So like he's like, death is bad. And he's like, yep. War is also war is great. He's like, no, it's not. Like there's no conversation. And one of the things I read about the book was like the point of the the point of the book. Every time you read the point of this book, it's different based on what you're reading. But one of them was the point of this book is to you know say life is short and enjoy the good things while you can. Hedonism, which mainly okay. seems to be drinking, eating. If eggs. that's the case, then we're we're, we're living it up. Yeah. We're doing it right. Living the dream. <laughs> it was also I read it was like one of the greatest love stories ever written, which is objectively yes. not true. They're a terrible couple. I can write a better love story about me and my hand <laughs> than these fucking. <laughs> Your hand has are... about as much personality as Catherine did. It has much more. Uh, not only would you say personality, oftentimes. My hand even has spunk. Uh, (laughs) 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 Like, that's a fucking... Calling this a great love story is ridiculous. According to Wikipedia, Hemingway wrote like 40 endings until... And he he didn't know how to end it. She died in 39, though. I made that up. I, made we, we have, okay. oh, I see. <laughs> At first, I thought it was like the year 1939. Like, how do you know that? You know, no, I, I, I would be willing to bet. Uh, oh, I mean, maybe, maybe a bunch of them were tragic endings, but he just went with a tragic ending because you know that's different. Most novels and Hollywood stu- Hollywood movies and stuff have a happy ending. The, the reason why Casablanca is a remarkable movie is because it has. The sad ending. Sorry if I just spoiled a oh, Jesus. Like, seventy-year-old movie for you. Well, now I'm not going to see it. I think it's closer to eighty years old at this point. Eighty-year-old movie for you. And if it didn't have that, it would not be remarkable. I think this book is somewhat the same way. If it was just like, and we lived and we moved back to Iowa <laughs> with my parents and had the baby, it would be like, oh, well, that was boring. I say, can you believe these guineas? Fun, I guess. <laughs> Fan. <laughs> if that, that'd be a great ending line to the book where they leave. Like, can you believe these dumb wops? And that's how it I think it'd be memorable. Uh, well, this is where one of the, one of the few things I highlighted uh, in the book was this line when he's like, I when you know, desert the army. He's like, I feel like a criminal. I've deserted from the army. He said, darling, please be sensible. It's not deserting from the army. 
It's only the Italian army. <laughs> <laughs> She's she not knew. wrong. <laughs> she knew. Like, oh, yeah, that's true. The only one I highlighted was, uh, I guess, foreshadowing. When she's talking about how much, how much should she drink while pregnant? Not should she, but how much is okay? How much? And she said, do you think I ought to drink another beer? The doctor said I was rather narrow in the hips, and it's all for the best if we keep young Catherine small. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Old time science. This is back when they were like, your doctor thinks you need Chesterfields to give birth <laughs> to healthy children. You know, like that was... Well, this is her saying... If I drink, it will keep the baby small, so I'd better drink. Yeah, I fetal alcohol drink syndrome and you. <laughs> should have drank more. Yeah, yeah. dumb. <laughs> yeah, she should have. <laughs> I mean, it's a famous book. And it's, it's like probably considered, I haven't checked, but I'm sure it's considered like one of the greatest novels ever oh, written. Yeah. Of course it is. And I think we're gonna, we could rehash our same conversation from Sun Also Rises, where it's like, oh, part of it is about the style and how it was different than what came before. And especially after World War I, like, everybody was looking for a different everything. Like, that, like, broke the world. Everything, like, we've been doing things wrong and stupidly. And then you get, like, dumb bullshit, like, Dadaist art, where, you know, a guy dresses up as a fish and reads a poem about shellacking a chair while throwing tamales at people. And they're like, that's art now, because the world is broken, and who cares? Because nothing means anything anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, people still read it now and say it's like one of the best books ever written. They're fucking, they've been gaslit. They're fucking idiots. They're just, <laughs> no. They're saying that because they, they're saying that the same reason why anybody's like, I think Kraftwerk is a great band. Like, no, you don't. You just, someone told you they're good. <laughs> and you're just, you're convincing yourself. You've never Your heard of Your auto-stockholming syndrome. I, I can't tell you a single work by Kraftwerk. I mean, I, any of their Kraftworks. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure they're fucking awful. So many passages are just boring. <laughs> just nothing happens. Like then some guy was like, "Hey, I like you. I'll buy you a suit." It's like, "No, please. I want to pay for a suit." No, I like you. I'll buy you the suit. No. Yes. All right. Fine. New chapter. Yeah, like it's supposed to be like a World War One book or a love story, but so much of it is neither of those things. World War None. You know no. What I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, who should read it? If you're interested in World War One, yeah. If you're interested in World War One, you should just read All Quiet on the Western Front, because that's actually about what you think World War One is about. Well, this could have been, like, what the Italian World War One was about, which is just silly. Whores <laughs> and getting blown up eating macaroni and cheese. <laughs> it's most Italian wars, honestly. Like, if, if there was... If you wrote a, a story about a bunch of Italians in the war getting blown up while they ate macaroni and cheese, you'd be called a bigot. <laughs> this is a book from Unless a different Unless you're time. a Hemingway. <laughs> well, he was probably definitely a bigot. But someone had to tell that story <laughs> about the great, uh, the great Rigatoni massacre of 1916. He got his foot blown up eating a pot of spaghetti, and he banged a lady who's, I think... 75% of her lines were just, I love you so much. For no reason. There's no reason she loves this man. No, he has no personality. And and the one time she's like, did you fuck a lot of whores? He's like, no. He's like, I know you're lying. He's like, well, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Hey, that's a real thing. It's like, dude, I'm in the Italian army. What what do you think happened? I can't get out. I can't like get to the ambulance on a fucking three whores in the morning and drinking a handle of vermouth (laughs) (laughs) and wine in my canteen. That sounds like a spaghetti western album. It sounds like if if uh, if you got a bunch of Italians to write country western songs, yeah, they're like wine in my canteen is that <laughs> one? That sounds like like no, they really think more about like Silver Bullet and Jack Daniels, rigatoni for my horses. I'm not sure if it helped that you sounded vaguely like Borat when you said that, but it was... <laughs> it's fucking Italian. The <laughs> horse is... Uh... <laughs> I got the uh, diamo e the rigatoni. <laughs> I would watch that movie. Rig- rigatoni for my horse. trying to feed a horse pasta. It would probably eat the pasta. <laughs> <laughs> Might not digest the pasta, but it might You're, eat it. Did you ever see that Seinfeld where Kramer was shopping at like Costco, buying like some knockoff ravioli uh, beef uh, chef Boyardee product? It was called like Beefarino or something. And he was feeding it, and he was driving a handsome cab, feeding it to the horse. And then they're all just the horse is clearly farting horrendously as the people are trying to go for the romantic ride. Well, don't they actually do that? I mean, they're just they're just shitting relentlessly. Horses, it's, it's so if, romantic. <laughs> I think horses evolved to be in German porn. Like they just, <laughs> they're just constantly shitting and thinking nothing of it. <laughs> yeah, go watch that Seinfeld. It's great. <laughs> oh my god! All right, so yeah, no one should fucking read this book or anything else. Or understand me, I wrote. I'm going to say it that well, maybe Old Man in the Sea because that takes like 27 minutes. But this book is. It's either no. just objectively overrated or I just didn't get it. What are the well, odds both. all three of us didn't get it? <laughs> Moderate. Maybe we needed to drink more vermouth. I think even if I understood all the subtleties and the metaphors, it would still be kind of boring. Yeah, it was dull. For a book about war, a war where like it's war adjacent. Of <laughs> it's also love story adjacent. It's mainly, it's a book where a guy drinks a lot and happens to do some other stuff along the way. Yeah, calling their, their love, their relationship a love story is ridiculous. They were just two, two adults sharing friction. That's all they were doing. They were just, that's, gotta get laid. And she was like, yeah, me too. And then they convinced themselves that that was love. It's like being in high school. Um, you know, you, you find someone who's willing to let you, you know, have sex with them, and you're like, this is the best thing ever. I love you. And after like six weeks, you're like, oh, my God. I hope you have a different ELA teacher next semester. This is <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, tell us what you thought. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you've listened this long, you want to support the podcast, head over to patreon.com or just leave us a review or, you know, just uh, shout it. Had an Italian with your hands, just like in semaphore or something, and get people to listen to the podcast that way. Anything would be appreciated. And you can also find us on Goodreads. Rigatoni. 
<laughs> they can't read. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent vermouth podcasters. And thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>